All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Tuesday, August 9th of 2022. Thank you for tuning into the stream here today. My name is Jordan. I'm the head coach here at Saber Sim. And on this show, I answer questions from the SaberSim community about how to use our tools to build better DFS lineups. So if you have questions for me you'd like me to answer, you can fire away in YouTube chat. You can email us, support at sabersim.com, or you can post in the Office Hours channel in Slack. And if you aren't already a part of the Slack community, highly recommend joining up. Uh, you get access to the discussions going on every single day there as well as lineup and simulation alerts channels uh really great community going on there there's a link to join in the description of every past show uh so we have one question in front of us here for today just a lone question about saber score which we'll get into here shortly uh we'll start talking about that but uh, if you have questions for me let's get them in the queue here now so we have uh some questions in front of us here um and we'll go ahead and just dive right in here so this was a question from sharpshooter here um and uh let's let's talk about this here get an opportunity to run a build 14 game slate here tonight i think yesterday on the stream uh, i thought it was a 15 game slate for some reason um i don't know if there's maybe a double header that's not on the DraftKings slate i think that's probably uh what it has to do with it but 14 game slates uh still pretty good still a nice big slate for us to to dive into here tonight so anyway the question says hey jordan can you go in a little in depth in pos if possible into how saber score is calculated uh, i've seen lineups with higher projection and lower ownership with lower saber scores than lineups with lower projection and higher ownership this does not make sense to me yeah let's talk about it here um and we'll i will do uh my best to go as in depth as possible or at least be as clear as possible here um but while this is building, I guess we'll kind of do like just an initial overview here. So what is Saber Score? So Saber Score is intended to quantify essentially the expected value of the lineup in the contest that you are building it for, right? Uh, maybe even not, maybe expected value isn't fair to say just because that that that's a very specific thing. Uh, another way of looking at it would be the overall strength of the lineup. I think that's probably a much better way to say it. Um, and it is it takes into account basically it uses the the sliders as an input, right? It's weighing the correlation, the ownership, and the sim precision uh, when it comes time to actually grade these lineups out in accordance to how those sliders are actually set right to so the, the specific sliders that are used in a build influences the way that a saber score uh will be calculated right so uh, let's go ahead now that this build is finished here let's let's adjust two projections and look at this so we can start seeing what these saber scores look like right um so yeah i i do think this um i think this this tool tip is is pretty helpful here as well um it, it kind of summarizes what i just said upside correlation and ownership on the strength of the lineup um you will see here, right? Like here's actually like a decent example, right? So this this lineup here, 112.8 with a 150% uh, ownership, right? Uh, and this lineup is 113.6, so a higher average projection and then 140, so a lower overall ownership and it's a slightly lower Sabre score, right? Uh, 99.3, 100% right? Um, the main reason I, I would say in general, you, you probably not, you probably aren't often going to see significant changes in, in significant discrepancies here. Um, I will say there, there's, there's kind of two things that come into play here of, of why you might be seeing this. And I think the most important one, uh, really is the, the SIM precision component of this, right? The way SIM precision is factored into Sabre score is based on, uh, how high the sim precision slider is. So tonight it's five. 
we are not just grading this lineup based on its how well it correlates to one another, right? Uh, or not not just how well it correlates, not just the ownership sum, not just like the the average projection, but we're all, we're we're actually looking and isolating at as uh, a percentile, a lineup percentile, right, of how well this lineup performs on average when it hits its maybe 90th percentile outcome, for example. So it's it's not so much um, I'm trying to think about the kind of the right way to explain this. When we when we build the lineup using sim precision, right? We're taking 28 simulations um, and setting the players' projections to what they scored in the individual set of 28 sims, right? We're building this set of 500 lineups. Part of the grading metric for Saber score here uh, is how does that lineup do, right? What does that lineup's 90th percentile look like as a lineup, right? Like what does the upside what how does the upside of this lineup in raw scoring potential compare to the upside of another lineup in raw scoring potential? So one thing that could come into play here is that this lineup does just have, again, this isn't a big difference of Sabre score, but this lineup may have a slightly bit better overall upside, right? A, a little bit of a higher overall lineup percentile. It's 90th percentile or whatever it is uh, than this lineup does. Right. So I guess what I'm saying really is that projected score can be a little bit misleading here. And it doesn't necessarily mean that a lineup that is uh, projected for more raw points has a higher overall upside. Right. Uh, and then the other one, and I kind of just hinted at it here a second ago, is to, to to remember correlation, right? Correlation is going to be a factor here. I think in the case of these two lineups here, actually, that's probably what's happening is that since this lineup is slightly a little bit more correlated, it's a 5-3 stack instead of a 4-3-1 here, um, that this lineup is just getting that little extra boost to Sabre score. Um, let's so see if we can find kind of a more, I would say, egregious example here. Let's see if we can find a lineup that is like much higher projected on average. Um, is there any, let's see here. I do think in general, you'll this, this shouldn't happen too much. The, the higher your sim precision slider is going to be, uh, the more like kind of uh, volatility in your saber scores you're probably going to see because what you're looking at is a higher and higher lineup percentile that influences the sim precision component of the saber score. So you can see more significant swings where you might see a lineup that, uh, maybe has a big difference in projected score and is a little bit lower owned and has a has a big drop in Sabre score, right? Because of the, the 99th percentile of those lineups looks quite a bit different. So um, I, let me know if that helps Sharpshooter here. Um, again, I think the main things, it's, it's, it's not really, I actually, you know, in fact, these two numbers, projected score and ownership sum, are really just summary statistics of the lineup, but these actually aren't really the inputs to the way that ownership and projection are accounted for in the Sabre score at all, right? We're looking at how many points does this lineup score uh, both in that bucket of Sims used to generate the lineup, but also in its 90th or 95th or 99th or whatever percentile based on how high the owner, the uh, Sim precision is. Um, and the, the ownership uh, is, is calculated as well. Um, I believe in a, I, if I remember correctly here in a more, um, robust way than just looking purely at the ownership sum. It's kind of a player by player comparison of what their upside is versus what their ownership is. So um, these are these are summary statistics that are helped to kind of give you a baseline or kind of frame some of these lineups uh, against each other, but they're not direct inputs um, to the Sabre score calculation. So anyway, 
Um, that is the one question we had in our queue here for today. I wanted to do a quick check to make sure um, I'll use this opportunity here to talk a little bit about something that it looks like he got answered here in uh, Slack chat. But in the meantime, if you guys have other questions for me, fire away at me now here. Uh, but there was a question, and this was an NFL question. So we'll we'll jump down and we'll take a look at this here. Um, let's see. So this was from uh, Sooner Dallas. And he said, I know it's not time for NFL yet, but I will forget. Uh, will there be a way to set up secondary stacks in NFL lineups? So say I want to have a running back to have a wide receiver from an opponent in every lineup, for example. And this, uh, again, this was answered. It looks like in Slack. Um, I think Bigwig here uh, helped me out here with an answer to this particular question. But yes, you can do this. Um, so let's see if I can just get, this will be fine. This is a fine slate to use. Um, you can do this with a rule. Um, so an advanced stacking rule, set an advanced stack, uh, and among whatever other stacks you might want to do here as well, um, you could say, for example, uh, let's see, what was it? I want a running back. Say I want a running back to have a wide receiver from an opponent in every lineup, for example. So in this case, you would say that you have one running back from your given team uh, is always paired with a wide receiver from the opposing team, right? So um, at every lineup, we'll have running back, opposing team, wide receiver, at least once in the lineup with this kind of rule. And I mean, I think this is like a secondary stack rule. So, right. So your first, your first stack might be, uh, one QB, um, maybe one, uh, maybe one to three running back wide receivers, tight ends, and then maybe a run back of a wide receiver or tight end or something like that, right? I think that's kind of a common rule here. So this would be kind of your primary stack that's making that QB plus two with a one run back. Uh, and then we're saying uh, in addition to that, um, we want a the other running back to always be correlated um, with another opposing wide receiver or something like that. So, um, but good question there. Question here from uh, Retro Automotive Group. What is the correct way to get more or less of a pitcher on FanDuel in the sim? Uh, there's there's a few different ways to do it. I think probably the easiest thing to do would be to just lower or raise your minimum and maximum exposures to that particular pitcher in the post-build process, right? Um, so part of the reason why, you know, if you're playing, let's say you're playing the 25 max on FanDuel, right? So uh, we'll let this load up here. Um switch back over to baseball here, right? So let's say you're playing, let's say you're playing the bean ball, right? The 25 max, you build this. And part of the reason that this isn't just going to build 25 lineups, it's going to build 500 lineups is so that you can make decisions and get more or less of pitchers here uh, in, in your lineups without having to go back to the beginning and kind of continue to fine tune and, and adjust uh, projections and exposures and things like that ahead of the build. So I'll fit, let this build run here real quickly here, and then I'll show you how to do that. Um, sometimes though, because, because we only have 500 lineups to work with here, you might not be able to do everything you want in this, in this given build. And then we have to go back to the, the projections tab and make some adjustments there. So I'll show you that as well. Um, but first let's let, let's let this build and, and we'll do this way first. And we'll see what we get here. It is a, a pretty good looking pitching slate here. Uh, makes sense. 14 games on the slate that it is a, a, a pretty good pitching slate. But um, 
looks like a lot of different options to go with here. So a good example, right? So maybe uh, you're looking at this here um, and you're wondering, hey, why didn't I get any Garrett Cole, right? I want some Garrett Cole. Uh, easiest thing to do, right? Figure out how much exposure do you want to Garrett Cole uh, and then just put that in maybe as a minimum exposure, right? I want 20% of my lineups to have Garrett Cole. And what we're doing is we're sorting through the pool of 500 lineups to find the best 25 that match everything you've put in here. And maybe you say, look, it's a good pitching slate. I don't want to be that far over on Bieber. So you set his exposure to 30 or something like that. Same deal here. Best 25 where you have at least 20% of your lineups with Garrett Cole and no more than 30% of your lineups with Shane Bieber. Uh, one thing to note here, right, is again, let's, I'm going to close some of these here so I can see this other column, right? The one thing to remember is that, you know, we're still, we're subject to the lineups that are in our pool here, right? That we, we're sorting through this existing pool of 500 lineups to find 25 lineups that match what we're trying to do here. But this pool column will summarize and it'll show you uh, what 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 pitchers, what lineups are available to you in your pool. So if you had come in here, let's reset this and said, for example, I want to be all in on Shohei, for example, you're going to get this message that we can't meet exposures. And the reason why is because there's only 15 lineups in the pool of 500 that have Otani as the pitcher. So you can't lock him in because you can't find 25 lineups that have him. So what do you do in that case, right? Or maybe you say, you know, maybe you're not even just all in on Otani, but you're like all in on Otani and Wheeler or something like that. Or you like some of these guys, then what do you do, right? Well, at that point, then it makes more sense to go back to the projections tab here and make some adjustments. Actually, let me, let me, let me real quickly, let me back up there a little bit. Um, force of habit of, of the way I was kind of, uh, of the way I kind of, answer this question. We, we added a new feature recently, um, and I think it will, will help help this out a little bit. So let's say you want to, let's say we want 50%, uh, let's say we want 60% Otani and we want 40% Wheeler, right? Okay. So we get this message, right? I think the best practice thing to do here in this particular case now is to send these exposures home, right? It's saying we can't meet it with your expected uh, requested exposures, send your exposures and return to projections to start a new build. This is basically going to send 60% min Otani and 40% min Wheeler back to the projections tab. So when you run a new build, now we know that that's what you want in the first place. So now if we click send exposures, right, it's going to send those back home. It's going to refresh your projections. And now if we rebuild these lineups, uh, it will um, be working with the it will know that information ahead of time, right? So now we can build knowing that you want 60% Otani, 40% Wheeler. And if we rebuild, we will get that outcome in the, the lineups. So to summarize, first things first, just run a build on your default settings for the contest you're playing, right? You can use that pool column to kind of see what lineups are in your pool. I would say most of the time you should be able to get what you are hoping for just by editing min and max exposures after the build. In the event that you can't, send those custom min and max exposures back to the projections tab using that button that I just showed and then rebuild. And then we'll build that set of lineups with the knowledge ahead of time of what you want to see in that post-build process. And that should help out a ton. Um, so I'll let this build for a bit here. Um, and uh, just just to show that it that it worked here, and then we'll we'll move on from there. So, um, we'll cut this one off early here, just so we can move on. But we will get we see here now sixty percent Otani uh, and forty percent Wheeler.
So all, all is well there. Okay, cool. A uh, question in Slack here from Manny. Let's grab this one here. He said, hi, Jordan. If I sort my lineups by ownership when I'm downloading it, is that what the CSV file will contain or will it stay according to Saber score? Uh, it will it will download according to the sort that you have selected here. So by default, sorting lineups by Saber score, high to low. If you change this to ownership, for example, and you said, I want to see the uh, maybe the lowest ownership to highest ownership builds, right? I think that can sometimes be just kind of fun to just go look at. If you were to download now this lineup file, they would be sorted in this correct order. So um, yes, it, it, it matches the order of the lineups that as you download them as a CSV does match the order of the lineups as they are displayed in the app based on your current top sort. So good question there. Uh, Braden says any single entry tips? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a few things that I like to do process wise when I'm playing a single entry or, or kind of a way that I think about it or the way that I would go about building a single entry lineup, I would say before we, we get into that, a couple things. I mean, one, the, the fundamental strategies uh, for single entry and, and even smaller field are, are generally pretty similar uh, across what they would be in other contest types as well, right? Um, the weighting factors of how important you uh, things like ownership and variance and correlation are change as your contest sizes change. But I think it is a common misconception that there is this there is large field multi-entry strategy, and then there's this completely different thing that is single entry and three max strategy. Like in broad, in like broad strokes, the strategies are overall going to be the same. Uh, the other thing I want to mention here as well is that playing only single entries or playing just a very small number of entries per night or per slate, I think is actually like one of the more dangerous ways to play DFS. Dangerous in, in terms of like risk of ruin. It's one of the higher variance strategies. Um, I would, I would, if you haven't seen it already, watch the DFS profit plan video that will show you a way to select contests that allow you to get a lot of unique lineups in play, still maintain a lot of upside and, and profitability, but also smooth out your variance quite a bit. Um, I mean, just as a very kind of quick tidbit from this video, one of the things we found doing the research for this video in our contest simulations is that with the basically the same size bankroll and the same daily wager amount, your risk of going broke, even if you're like just still equally profitable is double if you're a, sing, a mostly just playing single entries and three maxes every night. Like if you play, if you have a $2,000 bank where you play $100 a night, if you put that $100 all into single entry contests, you, you have double the chance of going broke over the course of that season than if you are spreading that out and getting into a lot of different kinds of contests and things like that based on the way we recommend there. So uh, just, just something I want, want to mention here. But let's say you are just playing you know, single bullet or a few lineups that particular night. I mean, the first thing that I would do is make sure that you're building on the settings that are appropriate for that kind of contest, right? This is going to mean that you know here in the on the 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 post build screen right on the on the build screen uh that all of these lineups are optimized for this kind of contest right we'll see correlation is still very important uh but on a big 14 game slate like tonight ownership and and sim precision come down a little bit right um so we'll build these lineups and then what i typically like to do the way i kind of think about single entry especially for a sport like baseball is i want to play a really nicely correlated lineup i don't want to i don't want to worry about having to get eight independent things right right i want to i want to pick probably two pitchers that i i kind of like on that particular slate if it's DraftKings, uh and then 
stack up two teams pretty heavily, right? Focus, focus more on just trying to get two teams right rather than trying to get eight individual players right. And then on the ownership side, I mostly think about trying to get one thing different, right? I try to think about varying, like if 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 the field is going to do uh, A, B, and C, I'm kind of thinking about it of doing like A, B, and D, right? I want to do like one, I want to vary off what I think is going to be the really chalky construction in in just one way, right? So let's look at uh, what this is. And I haven't even really researched this slate too much, but let's kind of look at, at what this is looking like here. So um, we have a 5-3 stack. So actually, first of all, I should say this. So the way that I kind of do it is I'll let the first lineup pop up and I will look for reasons to eliminate a lineup. Right. I'm basically searching. Uh, is there is there something with the stack type that I don't like, or is it maybe a little bit too chalky, or something like that? Or uh, I'm, I'm mostly looking for reasons to eliminate the lineup, and I will kind of sh- I will stress test Saberson basically and see what how far can I get off of what I think is going to be the chalk without going too far deep into my lineup pool. All right. So uh, it is a Coors Field slate here tonight. Let's look at pitching real quick first. Um, so pitching, I think is going to be pretty spread out tonight, just cause there are a lot of elite pitchers up top. Um, I think the easiest way to do something that is just immediately very different than what the field is going to do is probably to try to get off of cores at the 14 game slate. Uh, cores is probably, especially in single entry, just going to be like very, very chalky. So I might see, uh, can I get away with just fading the Cardinals? Right. Um, where does that take me? Right. Uh, and then we get to this different lineup, right? And you can see kind of almost an immediate ownership discount, right? The Braves probably the next best up team, but uh, definitely a bit of an ownership discount here, at least in the total total lineup ownership, right? We go from 154 to 127 total lineup ownership. Um, we also get onto a better overall set of pitchers here in Bieber and Cole. I kind of like that a little bit more um, and have this, this more unique uh, build, right? All we did is drop to lineup 24, right? Still probably an elite overall lineup. So I, I, I have no problems with this kind of right off the bat. Um, let's say we wanted to get a little bit even more different and we wanted to get off of, uh, Atlanta too, who seems like they're kind of gonna kind of be the next team up. Um, then we get this lineup, right? you can see now all we've done is drop to lineup 32. We've dropped that ownership even further. Right. So this is kind of what I mean about stress testing this, right? We are getting a huge ownership discount now, uh, on a lineup that basically uh, has a very similar overall strength, right? According to Saber score, according to the lineup ranks. So I, I kind of like this lineup too, right? Um, we do in this particular lineup, take the, the, oh man, my second monitor screen just turned off randomly. Uh, we do take on the, the, uh, Kirk one-off here. We're not having like a perfectly correlated five, three stack. Um, but I don't hate that. That's, that's like a fine lineup. Um, and you can kind of just keep going from here, right? Another thing that I will sometimes look at is like to be cautious, getting some exposure here to um, these, let's see. Um, I, I Sometimes I might, especially on a larger slate like this, try to prioritize getting some of those uh, higher in the order hitters that I think have a little bit more upside, right? Ninth, ninth, ninth hitter shortstop for the Diamondbacks at like 2,600 just isn't something that like gets me super excited. So I might just like, see like, what's the next best lineup here from there. Um, here's a, here's a good lineup too, right? We, we save a little salary here at 
um, the pitching spot. We get down to Arikidi instead, but now we've got the 5-3 the stack Toronto, who it seems like is basically going to be like probably virtually unowned here in a single entry contest like tonight. A very low-owned Pittsburgh stack. We're now at lineup 85. Again, very low lineup ownership. Uh, I like the I like the the names in this lineup, right? Even for the even for the Pirates, right? A one-two-five stack, at least as these guys are projected right now, feels kind of good. Um, this could be a lineup that I would go with as well. So that's kind of the way that I like to look at it here, right? I will I will run my lineups. I'll build a nice pool of of lineups that are functional for what I'm trying to do, um, and then I will try to vary the chalk very off the chalk in like one or two ways, and look for a lineup that's correlated um, with with individual players that have have upside uh and and go from there the one other thing i'll mention right maybe you're looking at this lineup and you think i kind of like that lineup but i am just not an urkiti fan that is not my guy uh you can use the new lineup editing tool here to to make a different move right to play somebody else um we'll see if there's anybody that jumps out to me here as maybe a decent pivot option um not really maybe marcus stroman right also, uh, not my favorite pitcher, but really good matchup there. So maybe you say, hey, I like that lineup, but I want to play Stroman instead of Urquidy. And there you go. Just like that. You can edit that lineup here uh, again by clicking this button and making that change there. So that's how I think about it. That's how I think about my Now, I, that that is basically my process for, hey, I for one reason or another, tonight I'm playing like one to three lineups or something like that in practice. Uh, again, I, I act, end up selecting my contest with the DFS profit plan and the lineups that actually end up getting played into my single entries are typically just a, basically just a random lineup from my pool of like 150 to 200 lineups that I'm actually playing that particular slate. Um, but this is what I would do if I was just playing a single bullet. So, um, Lartar Magar says, what are your thoughts on the literal million entry Millie maker for week one NFL? Feels like first place will just be the nuts lineups. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is, so uh, on the strategic side, I think you are going to have to get very close to, to just the actual optimal. Um, but what's very interesting is that I think I, I think it's unlikely that the player that actually wins that contest will actually have the optimal. Um just because of how many combinations there actually are. Like, I actually think it's, it's probably likely that the winning lineup in that contest probably is, could still be even 20 or 30 points off of the optimal, just because of how hard it is, even in that many entries for someone to actually just hit the total, the total nuts, right? It's, it's, it's really hard, right? I mean, you think about how big the player pool is. And if you're trying to build the actual highest mathematically highest scoring lineup possible on a uh, full NFL main slate, it's, it's very tough, but strategically speaking, um, yeah, I think it, it's important to basically kind of think about that, uh, or at least have that in mind when you're building your lineups, right? Um, I think it will be important to take advantage to core of correlation to some extent. Uh, but I probably am not going overboard with the way that I'm correlating my lineups just because you are like, if, you know, it, it if you have the, you know, if you have like some wide receiver, right, in your lineup, uh, let's say you have, I, I can't even, I don't even know what the, the week one schedule looks like. The um, Chargers play the the Raiders, right? That's the first game that pops in my mind. So maybe you have uh, Devontae Adams in the lineup, right? And you know that there's some correlation to Keenan Allen on the other side, right? That's, I think, going to pay off well in general, but 
in practice on the week one slate, you pretty much, instead of just saying, Hey, that correlation is good. And on average, it, it works out. Uh, I, you, you typically probably need the actual true, like best case scenario wide receiver on the other side across all of the other games. So I think, I guess in summary, what I'm kind of thinking here is I still probably like the macro correlations of like QB, the big correlations, QB plus same team wide receiver, uh, the smaller correlations, the runbacks, the things like that. Um, I don't know. I, I think you, you maybe need to hit the, the, the optimal a little closer, uh, in that particular case. I, I, one thing I would say here is our sliders, and this is something that we're working on adjusting right now, basically. Um, this is an, an ongoing project is, is kind of readjusting our sliders, particularly with football coming up. So this is subject to change, but at the moment they go up, they basically go up to, um, 50 50k entrance right and let's see okay so they they basically say like right it stops at 50k right and one of the things that we actually want to change is make this scaling a little bit more appropriate for individual sports most of the contests in the nfl lobby are all over five fifty thousand entrants uh and in fact there's a big difference between a lineup that is like 100k to 500k or 100K to 200K and then 200K plus and so on. Um, I think if you kind of get an idea of what the trend of these are doing as you move up, right? Correlation is coming. Let's see. Correlation is slowly coming up. Ownership fade is slowly coming up. Sim precision is still coming up. I do think it's a wise idea to kind of, at least now, somewhat follow that trend as your contests get a little bit bigger and bigger, right? So if you are playing uh, a million entry millimaker, right, it may be to your benefit to be somewhat aggressive with bumping these up even further, maybe two more on each uh, to uh, account for that, right? Um, and if we build lineups here, this is for some random slate last year. So, um, you know, maybe not even the best example, but I think that's a, a good idea here um, to, for now, follow that trend that is implied on the existing sliders to account for bigger and bigger contests. I think it's a good idea. Um, so, and it was interesting there too, you know, correlation increasing as the size of the contest got bigger. Um, I, I think one of the most interested one of the things that I am most interesting to see what comes out of our, our current slider backtesting project, which first of all, if you aren't already aware, uh, is basically documented within our behind the Sims, our current behind the Sims project, right? Um, so on the, this behind the Sims uh, playlist here, um, and it actually looks like there's a, an episode that is missing from here. So I'll get make sure that gets added here. Um, that's a little strange, but uh, th these are literally the internal conversations that we've been having here uh, as we've been working through this project. So if you're interested in what the, the thought process is, how this, how we're going about doing this backtesting, uh, I'd check these out. But um, the the one thing that I'm personally very interested to see what, what comes out of that is the correlation slider. Um, I think there are, there are intuitive arguments that make sense that would argue that as a contest gets bigger, correlation should go down, right? Which would basically be that you have to get closer to the nuts. Uh, you you basically have to get closer to the the, the the true optimal. So you value those correlations a little bit less. Uh, I also think there are arguments in the other direction that as uh, 
variance gets higher and the range of outcomes gets gets wider and you are trying to beat uh, more and more entries that you need to basically shoot for higher and higher upside outcomes, right? Like that, that correlation that, that all of a sudden a 0.06 correlation between two players needs to actually become more valuable to you because it is, is one of your only ways of trying to like actually land on the right outcomes all at once. Right. Um, so I, I'm interested to kind of see how, how that actually shakes out in our back testing. Right. Um, or another simple way of looking at it would be like, yeah, like, okay, so maybe a lineup like this, right. We have this QB plus three that we are shooting for like such a massive upside outcome for this Broncos and Cowboys game, uh, that this, we need, we need the, we need the rare massive upside outcome, um, that this kind of lineup supports to take down a contest of that particular size. So um, I don't know. I'm interested to see how it shakes out in the in the back testing. Um, but I think my intuitive sense still is more on the side that your correlation you would want you would probably take on less correlation uh, as your at, at a certain point, right? You would take on a certain amount of correlation to a certain size contest, but above and beyond that that you may not want as much. So anyway, I'm kind of rambling here. Um, something that I'm, I'm just interested to see. That's that's probably what I am most excited to see coming out of this backtesting pro project is where does the correlation slider land and how does it change for, for different contests? So um, Retro said in 150 max, 40,000 entries for FanDuel, if player A and player B both use SaberSim to run 150 lineups without making any changes to projections or exposures, will we have the exact same lineups? No, you will not. And the main reason why is because of our SIM precision slider, right? So let's jump over to FanDuel just so we are consistent there with the question. Um, so SaberSim's projections are very different than what, what every other site else has out, has out there, right? Uh, it looks similar at first glance, right? Player name, Average projection, ownership projection, some other detailed stat projections, et cetera. Looks pretty familiar. Uh, these are actually, though, just they're just descriptive of a full range of outcomes that we have for each player on the slate, right? So when we're saying Shane Bieber is projected for 40.3, we're saying that's the average outcome, but this is his full range of outcomes across all of these different play-by-play -play sims we have for this particular game. And we have these play-by-play -play sims for every single game on the slate. When you build your lineups with SaberSim, we don't use this number. And we don't use this number, but slightly randomized either. We actually pull from the game simulations themselves. So if you are building for a 150 max, 10 to 50K entrance, right? Uh, and you toggle manual mode on, you'll see the Sim Precision slider. And it's going to say Sim Precision Moderate, right? It's set at 6. What six means is that every single time we build a lineup, so we have 500 lineups in our pool. Every single time we build a lineup, the first thing we're doing is we're randomly taking a random sample of 18 game sims from every game on the slate. And we are setting the projections for every player in the pool to what they scored in that random sample of 18 game simulations just to build that one lineup, right? So uh, again, yes, maybe Shane Bieber is projected for 40.3, but in the random bucket of game sims for this game we have, uh, in that particular case, his projection comes out as 32 and a half. And in the random set of game sims that we have for the Padres, Padres game, Joe Musgrove's projection comes out to be 41 and a half, right? 
Then we'll account for ownership and correlation and all those other things as we build the lineup. But in that particular lineup, you're probably going to get Musgrove instead of Bieber because of the way that the Sims were selected. So we're we're randomly sampling, but we're pulling from true real ranges of outcomes of these players based on the Sims. Um, so in fact, you can test this out for yourself. Uh, and I would encourage you to do it because I think it's interesting. If you run this build and then do it again and then do it again. And then do it again. You'll probably see that there's a similar trend of the kinds of lineups you are getting or the general direction of those lineups. Uh, I imagine that in general, we kind of like Bieber tonight based on just the builds we've run today. We kind of like Bieber. Uh, we probably like Coors a little bit. Um, what were some of the other teams? It looks like we also like this this Padres and Pirates game, especially as a lower owned option. Um, that seems like where Saber Sims kind of leaning. And you'll see build after build that most of your lineups will probably still favor that those those games in those spots but you will not get identical lineups over and over again because of the way that the simulations are randomly being sampled uh, the one exception to that rule is certain sport types where player especially where the player pools are very small and contests can be very large um, we don't have projections up for for this week's MMA card here um but MMA is a good example where it looks like we have an 11 fight card here there's only 22 fighters in the pool if you are playing in a contest against 50,000 other opponents there's a good chance that you are can play lineups that are going to be duplicated uh and there's a good chance that you may see multi lineups pop up in two different builds uh, even with sim precision set at like 10 for MMA, right? Just because there's just fewer lineups that you can make. Um, so it, it can it can pop up a little bit more uh, in sports where duplication is more likely. Um, in For those particular sports, we have a lot of content on our YouTube channel about how to avoid duplication, right? For MMA, for NFL showdown, for um, tennis, for for golf even, or NASCAR to a lesser extent, I would say, uh, those are all sports where, where duplication can be a factor. Um, and we have a lot of sports specific content on how to avoid getting duped in those sports. But in general, um, I think that's one of the biggest advantages of SaberSim is that it, it naturally diversifies you by using the, the true ranges of outcomes of players in the way that, uh, those lineups are built. So, um, Gus says, looking forward to that change. Yes, me as well. Um, so, and I think in order of operations here, I think the way that this is going to play out is uh, we'll probably have, um, the sliders will probably get re-back tested first and kind of readjusted based on the findings that we have there. Then in a subsequent project, we will probably look at readjusting the actual dropdowns and the defaults themselves for different sports and sites even. Um, so uh, probably kind of two different projects there, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. So retro said, thank you. You got it. Thank you for asking questions. What other questions do we have here today? We are all caught up once again here. Uh, DG said, how many entrants were in the billion dollar contest? Um, I don't know what contest you're talking about. Billion dollar contest. I don't know. Was there a billion dollar contest? That seems a little extreme to me. Maybe, um, it had to have been some kind of NFL thing. Um, this was probably years ago, right? I think I remember this back when, back when DraftKings and FanDuel were like advertising like crazy. Um, I, I would, I wouldn't surprise me if there was like a week one billion dollar contest or something like that, but I don't remember, but DG said the NFL week one, perfect lineup. 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I am not sure. A billion is crazy. That's that's wild. Cool. What other questions? Any other questions here for me on today's show? If not, we'll we'll think about starting to wrap up here a little bit earlier today. I do have a video that I'm hoping to get out to you guys here. Um, it's actually funny, very, very relevant to this particular stream, but uh, it is about the Sim Precision slider. Um, what the Sim Precision slider does really in particular, like hammering home some of the benefits of what that's doing for your lineups. I think knowing how that slider in particular works uh, is just crucial to, to being successful with SaberSim and, and knowing where you can kind of continue to add value from there. Uh, there is probably no, there's probably no part of the SaberSim app that is more fundamental to the SaberSim process than that Sim Precision slider, right? The way that, uh, that the simulations are being selected and how that impacts your exposures and your lineup portfolio and things like that. So uh, I have a video uh, expecting that to go out in the next, I would say the next day or two onto the YouTube channel. So look forward to that. But um, don't see any other questions coming in here now. I'll do one more check on Slack. Um, looks pretty quiet there as well. So I think we'll go ahead and leave it there for today. Thank you to everybody that tuned in, uh, asked questions, hung out with us here for the last 45 minutes or so. A big thank you to everybody that watches and listens to this show when it goes up as a recording on YouTube and all of the podcast outlets as well. Enjoy the 14 game slate tonight here. Uh, a little bit of uh, a big, big slate sweat going on tonight. So enjoy it. Uh, and I will be right back here again tomorrow, 2 o'clock Eastern. So take care. See ya.